0: Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really excited to have on the show today Michael Nusimov. Michael is the founder and CEO of Dr. Chrono, a fast-growing EHR, modern EHR system, breath of fresh air in this market. Um, He has an interesting story to tell, but I don't want to steal his thunder. Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, great to have you. Thanks for making time, but transport us back. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about your origin story, the series of steps that have led you to
1: where you're at today. Sure. Um, So kind of a quick background on myself. Uh, My background is as a software developer, um, you know, and and I I was born and raised in New York City and went to school in Long Island, New York at Stony Brook University. Um, And Kind of post graduation, after I got my bachelor's degree, I went to work in New York City, working for a company, Bloomberg LP, which is a really great financial information SaaS product um, through the Bloomberg Terminal, and I was there for about eight years. And um, and it's kind of a large company, or you know, it's a ten thousand person company, very successful, um, working in finance software. So I was really, you know, I really knew nothing about health before founding Dr. Crano, and and me and my co-founder Dan, who, who's a good friend from college. Um, we founded Dr. Prano in, in 2009. We launched, so we've been working on it for about 10 years. And neither one of us had any experience in healthcare. Uh, we we're both software developers and into technology. And we were, we, I, you know, both of us had really personal stories about why we became interested in healthcare. For me, it was spending a lot of time caring for my parents and helping my father with a lot of medical issues, going to a lot of doctor visits. And I just saw that, you know, circa You know, 2005 to 2008, um, you know, the majority, 97% of doctors in in ambulatory, which is all the care outside of hospitals, were on paper for their clinical records. So, you know, the average doctor visit that I've been through many times during that time was, um, you know, you walk into the waiting room, um, you kind of are coming in cold, (laughs) you didn't really necessarily get any homework, all the anything to fill out beforehand, you sit in the waiting room and, and, you know, you sign in on the sheet. They hand you a clipboard with some paper, you know, some Xerox paper to fill out. And, you know, when you're a young, healthy person, as, as I was, and I still feel I am 10 years later, uh, pretty healthy is, you know, you don't have a lot of health issues. So it's, uh, you know, you don't have a lot to fill in. But at that time, my father had a lot of serious health issues, ongoing problems. He was taking, you know, 15 to 20 different prescription medications at any given time. He unfortunately would be hospitalized several times a year. You know, every time he would go see a doctor or a specialist or a subspecialist to work on his care, I remember helping him fill out, you know, just paperwork. And every time I'd fill out different pieces of the puzzle, depending on the questions they asked, depending on what me and my father remembered at the time. So it was very challenging to, you know, well, there's just a huge inefficiency there where you kind of see, hey, there's a lot of effort wasted. There's a lot of knowledge that's not being shared across a care team. There's, you know, there, there just looks like, you know, to, from the outside as a technology person, like, hey, these would be pretty easy problems to solve. And that was a bit of the origin story, what really got us interested in, in healthcare. And I think my co-founder, Dan, had similar stories. And even, you know, we're, we're based here now in, in Silicon Valley, and, you know, we're, our headquarters is here in Sunnyvale, you know, right in the heart of traditional South Bay Silicon Valley scene. And a lot of the people we recruit today, from executives to, to programmers, to salespeople, you know, I still find there's a reason they're in healthcare. They all have kind of personal health stories on their own, caring for a family member that have, that have really made them care about healthcare. And and I would say after 10 years, you know, kind of touching on that origin story, which I've shared many times, you know, I was very naive coming into healthcare. I knew nothing about it aside from my experience as a consumer, you know, a patient and, you know, it, it, was well, incredibly hard, you know. I think if I knew uh, ten years ago what I know now about healthcare, I really would have thought a lot harder about going into healthcare just because of how hard it is. And I think it's incredibly worthwhile, but it's it's really a tightly regulated industry where there's a lot of competition, a lot of regional forces. Um, you know, like from health systems that are very regional. They have hospitals and doctors' offices on the ground um, that have a lot of power, so. You know, what we've tried to build at Dr. Chrono is a modern, you know, electronic health record system, billing platform, um, patient engagement platform. Really, I like to think of it, my modern thinking is that we're trying to build salesforce.com for ambulatory medical clinics. And, you know, we want to sell nationwide and, you know, we want to sell to all customers from a one doctor practice to, you know, a 200 doctor practice with multiple offices in multiple states with, with a complex, you know, central business office running these places. And today we do have customers all along that spectrum and it's just incredibly challenging because, um, healthcare often has, you know, I I actually saw a presentation by, um, it was a a Goldman Sachs and Mayfield capital Mm -hmm. presentation about a year ago in San Francisco around the JP Morgan conference. And, um, you know, again, uh, A little bit of a depressing stat for people in healthcare, but I think it's good to know how challenging the space is. You know, the average company that IPOs in in healthcare technology versus the average just technology company, it often takes them uh, about one and a half times longer, about 11 years uh, to get to an IPO versus seven, which is the average for a a normal tech company not in healthcare. And also at IPO time, their margins are often um, 50% worse than a pure tech company. And, um, and you know, another, a bit of a depressing stat, but I think it's good to know that, that healthcare is especially challenging. And the reason I think for the margin, uh, the worst margins and often the, the longer time to be successful is because of the regionality and the amount of customization that has to be done to fit in and integrate with regional health systems to communicate, you know, if you sell a customer in the Northeast and they're a small two doctor practice, you know, even today you could get away without being plugged into the local hospitals, the local HIEs, local registries, but as they become larger practices, there's a lot more customization and kind of one-off integrations you'll do for those customers to just get them, you know, if, if they're admitting a lot of patients from their practice or receiving a lot of referrals from a hospital, they need to communicate with that system. So it's, you know, there, there's a lot more customization like that. Mm-hmm. And I think as you get to larger medical practices, uh, the, the needs for customizations and custom data integrations with, um, you know, regional players and, or, or even kind of sometimes specialty hardware, um, is, is very high. So, you know, I think these are some of the unique challenges in healthcare. And, um, you know, as I think about what our, our platform is doing to try and help this, um, what, when I think of the Salesforce model, it is kind of having this openness of data where right. there's a lot of, islands of data in healthcare where, um, you know, the the Epics and Cerners and and the large health systems and hospitals of of the United States, um, their technology is is often quite old. Their APIs leave a lot to be desired. It's a very long, difficult process to work with them. Um, But in addition to that, even the health systems themselves sometimes have um, conflicting business interests where they don't want to just let everyone work with them and they can use HIPAA as an excuse they can use security as an excuse but they there you know there could be two hospitals down the road from each other that don't want to communicate don't want to share health data because it's not in their financial interest they're worried about losing lucrative patients they're worried about losing lucrative referrals mm-hmm. and and often their business model and their technology plans unfortunately you know that's kind of some of their secret hidden objectives is you know hey I want to create a network where every you know, independent practice in my region will plug into our system and it'll be really hard for them to plug into another system. So we're going to get really a lock in on, on their referrals and, and you know, it's, I think it makes good business sense for them. But unfortunately, these are, you know, this, these are horrible things. I mean, imagine if in any other industry outside of healthcare, if, you know, Salesforce just refused to talk to, you know, some other marketing software vendor. Right. You know, it, I, I don't think that happens in Silicon Valley. There's a culture of openness. There's a culture of, hey, everything should have open API. So that's a value we really try and have at Dr. Crono. And, and, you know, we have an open API and our goal is that every scrap of data in our system on, on the EHR, the billing side, the practice management side will be open for reading and writing. And I think we're well along that goal. I, I think we're nearly there on the reading part. And on the writing part, um, you know, we invest a lot of resources to to constantly open up endpoints. We work very closely with customers who use our API. Um, you know, we have larger customers who who have IT staffs who want to use our API. We have um, a lot of innovative startups that are kind of building the next Uber for healthcare, on-demand healthcare apps that build into our API and are doing great innovative stuff. And and we win a large number of those deals because we're one of the few EHRs and billing platforms that that have this API and. API mentality and openness and we also have an app store model where we have over 65 launch partners today and it's really modeled after you know the iPhone and iPad app store where um, you know these 65 partners really you know can sell directly into our user base with one click our customers can Dr. Chrono users can start using um, any of these 65 partners using their OAuth token so you know they can log into Say Zocdoc or Demand Force or Patient Pop with their Doctor Chrono ID, and you know automatically, you know that Zocdoc, Zoc-Doc app, for instance, will have access to their Doctor Chrono data. You know they'll be a synced app, and I think that's a business model where we're really far ahead of the curve and far ahead of the competition. Where I think the majority, you know, even even today, um, you know, EHR adoption has in the last ten years has gone from about three percent of ambulatory providers using an EHR when we founded the company in about 2008, 2009. And today it's well over, you know, 85 to 90% of mm-hmm. ambulatory providers using some kind of EHR is recorded by Medicare. And, and they set a pretty low bar for, for what that means. But, you know, it's, it's really ubiquitous. and But unfortunately, you know, 70% of those installs are not cloud-based. They're legacy systems that um, may or may not even... Uh, be supported anymore. They may be kind of on their, you know, end of life plans by by whoever ended up acquiring these EHR and and billing systems. And you know, they don't have APIs. I mean, you know, the majority of software that sits there running on a desktop or server just doesn't have APIs. Just the technology isn't there. Whereas cloud based systems, it's a lot easier and a lot more natural to have these APIs, have these app store models, kind of the Salesforce model versus, right. you know, I'd say, the, the legacy Oracle model. And you know, I think. You know, over the last 10 years, uh, tremendous progress has been made in terms of adoption. I don't think I'd ever meet a doctor today and, and certainly not anyone opening a new medical practice who just thinks, hey, I just don't need an HR. I just can get by with using paper. Um, there's certainly still people in the market who, who are using paper workflows, or even if they have an HR, there's still paper workflows. When you go into hospitals that use Epic and Cerner, there's still a lot of paper charts around. They're still floating around. There's still a lot of data hybrid workflows. But, you know, there's certainly a tipping point in doctors' attitudes where 10 years ago, you know, the, the, the average doctor was just very skeptical of their ability to use an EHR, to, to whether it's worthwhile. You know, it was very common to hear a lot of doctors say, hey, I'm going to retire if this mandate comes out. And, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, great doctors did retire because they didn't want to deal with the EHR and, and, and other changes like, you know, quality-based and metric care. But a lot of I think most doctors who said that or who went from real skeptics to um, people who at least see the value of the product and I think they want a lot more from these products. When I talk to our, our average customer or or even an average doctor who who uses an EHR and ambulatory, you know, there's so much more they want from those systems. There's a promise of what these systems should be giving the people. Right. And, and I think it right. is like what you'd expect when you use Salesforce or CRM. I'm like, hey, all of our data will be there. Every other app I want to use, I'll be able to just plug in really easily. You know, It's gonna become the platform for my practice and, and for our business and for clinical care. And I think the majority of EHRs on the market um, are, leave a lot to be desired there because of using legacy technology, their inability to, to have a modern API, and, and also their unwillingness in many cases to partner with other people there's such a high acquisition cost to get medical practices on board that these partners are terrified um, EHRs and billing companies are terrified of losing their customers because like hey we spent a fortune acquiring these users there, there's only you know it's a very small pool of users relatively that we that we're all going after and you know they're afraid of partners kind of swooping in and, and stealing those customers so there, there's this un, you know similar I think it mirrors the fears of health systems and losing patients so um there's there's a lot of challenges and you know i think we're trying to lead the way with this openness and i think you know it's kind of a long-term play we've been at it 10 years and i think you know it'll be another 10 years before i think this strategy is really a winner but i think it's really a long-term game the way i see it to to build this platform to build this openness and you know we're, we're looking to play with other long-term people these these 65 partners and growing is, you know, I think long-term players who care about making healthcare better, they're, they're, you know, in it, even if it takes, you know, 50% longer than in other verticals, right. the people, you know, I see at Dr. Crono and the people we work with, they're in it for the long run. And, and I think there is a great feeling you get from being in healthcare and, and you kind of need that passion and you need to keep right. feeling good about your work. Just because it is so challenging because of the margins, because of the time it takes, because of high acquisition costs. And, you know, and I think, you know, we're, we're going to get to a tipping point soon and where you're going to, you know, I, I would say in the next five years, we're going to see an inverse where the majority of, of ambulatory providers are going to be using systems, EHRs and billing systems that are 100% natively in the cloud and that have APIs that have this really high interoperability with with third party systems, with, with sharing data. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're we're at a tipping point where we'll we'll see those changes happen. And I think it will, you know, really open the floodgates. You know, I, I, I think um, you know, Dr. Crono has about a hundred five employees and the fact that we've been able to onboard sixty five partners in the last I'd say two years since we've kind of been loading this App Store model and, and we have hundred more kind of hundreds of more that we're working with that are kind of waiting in the wings to launch that are developing with us that, you know, I, I think it, that strategy will, will be a winning strategy, in, right. you know, in the long term, yeah. And, and, you know, it'll really help us, you know, change the market and kind of lead from the front there. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Michael, no, this is phenomenal. I mean, I obviously, um, yeah, you know, in spite of it being very hard and challenging in this market, obviously, you know, just you telling us your origin story, where you're from, obviously, it's, it's it gives you that reason to persist, right? It, you know, you're changing people's lives. Um, it's a worthwhile market. It's challenging, but just the challenge doesn't attract the persistence. It's more about, you know, changing people's lives and really appreciate your devotion to, to this market in the long term game, right? Um, and, you know, I can attest to, you know, we're not live with you guys yet, but, you know, obviously it's very phenomenal. The volume you guys are processing on the partner side and the ease of use and the openness. I can definitely attest to it from another from the from the other perspective. But um, you've cited some interesting things that Dr. Crono is doing. Right. So, you know, mobile openness, strong partner networks. You guys are building a really interesting compound effect that, you know, you may not see this year or next year, but obviously all these services you know, the Ubers for Health that you guys are opening up are going to converge and eventually add this tremendous value in the market. But tell us a little bit more about how you see, tell us about the vision of healthcare, uh, uh, the future of healthcare, according to Michael, what do you see happening from just a broader perspective, payer providers, right? You guys, you know, yeah. enable a lot of billing, right? You know, the payer and provider market, healthcare in America is changing. How does, how does what you're doing play a role in that? Or how do you see these these pieces all coming together. Um, Tell us a little bit about the possibilities you're seeing in the future.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and and kind of the way I I think of Dr. Kano's business is that kind of our tip of our spear into the industry, what was our mobile EHR and and kind of we're a technology and product company first on that Mm -hmm. clinical record. But where we make the majority of our revenue and where I see our long-term prosperity coming from is by handling kind of the revenue cycle management of our clinics and, and, you know, our our goal is to make it zero work for these clinics to get paid by insurance companies and patients. And, you know, it's interesting because the majority of our competitors in the space, I think have come from the other direction. They were billing and revenue, billing software and revenue cycle management companies that then kind of launched in EHR. So we really came into the space, um, you know, starting 10 years ago from the other direction, starting in that EHR world, and, and moving into the billing and RCM side over the last 10 years and getting very serious about it now. And I think that's a trend we'll continue to see. I think on the billing side there's lots of innovation out there. There's lots of different models. And it really is, I would say it's it's too close to call which models will really dominate. But I would say that the the billing for for the average you know when when and we're looking at ambulatory medical practices so independent clinics um it's only going to get more complex i don't think it's going to be getting simpler i I think it will get more and more challenging and more and more complex for clinics to do this themselves so one of my takes on the market is that these clinics will be outsourcing it more and the majority of rev cycle and billing co- and and just to define what RevCycle management is, it's in addition to giving software to the practices, we actually submit uh, every single medical claim for our customers who are using that RevCycle services on top of our software. So we have a very large staffing model where we will provide the staff for their back office that will, you know, code claims, submit claims, deal with rejections, send statements to patients, mm. you know, get credit card rights from patients. And we're trying to do this in a very tech forward way. And historically, this is a space that is incredibly people driven and service driven and is incredibly paper based and fax based and phone call based. And on both the payer side, the insurance company payers and on the provider and hospital side, there's a huge amount of staffing um, here in the U.S. and, And a lot of that labor is is offshore to India Sometimes to the Philippines, um, and, and even other countries are getting in. But I think India, probably every single medical claim in the U.S., I have a theory that it passes through India either on the provider side or on the payer side, because all of the payer offices, you know, if you were to go to some of these office parks in Chennai, India, and Pune, and some other cities, you know, you'll see like United Healthcare, second floor, you know, Aetna, third floor,
0: you know, every, every
1: you know, insurance company moved their back office there. So that's one way they drove down costs. Of having, you know, a tremendously manual, paper based faxing claims in dealing with tick for fifteen hundred and UBO four forms, which are these these government forms for agencies that I don't believe exist anymore, that are just kind of passed around. They're printed out in fact and passed around, you know, in large part. So I think that's another take that I have on the market and, and that Dr. Kran is really betting on is that the technology companies in this space will really add a tremendous amount of automation and and right and i think create a tremendous savings and effort on on the provider side on the hospital side on the clinic side and on the payer side by moving more and more of these transactions fully electronic and trying to really automate and streamline the amount of effort that goes there and um i think that's a very challenging thing you know i i think there's a lot of talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence in healthcare. And I think when the average people in the public and, and the majority of people in healthcare, when a doctor hears that, they're like, okay, they're trying to replace a doctor or a nurse with a piece of software. And there's certainly people out there trying to do that. Um, and I think there, there's a lot of value you could get there. Um, but when I see the, the power of that technology in healthcare, it's in automating all the adjudication and the tremendous amount of human labor that still goes into getting claims paid. And, and it's a very complex and, and convoluted process. And it's a very money-making process that, you know, as I said, like, we're, we're, we're tech or as a technology company. But the big for customers on giving them software and tools to do their billing or just saying, hey, we'll you know, we'll just do 100% of all that work for you. And, you know, we'll, we'll charge a lot more, we, you know, the model there is often to charge a percent of the revenue. That you're gathering for the for the provider, so it can be very lucrative, and there's a lot of money there. Um, but I, I really foresee a, a tremendous wave of automation hitting that industry, and and everything seems to happen later in healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I started ten years ago working on Doctor Crano, you know, the average doctor's office were using fax machines, paper in New York City. <laughs> you know, where we started, Doctor Crano, right. um, there were bike couriers currying MRI and x-rays and and notes between hospitals and doctors. So they were using, you know, 1970s era technology in, in, you know, the 2000s. And there are still some officers doing that. But, you know, I think, you know, that that productivity on the clinical side is there um, just by having everything electronic. And I think that's part of what will open the door to tremendous automation on the billing side is now that all that data is digitized. And it's not sitting in in crates of paper files and faxes moving back and forth. Now that it is increasingly digital clinical data and digital billing data, um, the you know, the ability to look at vast amounts of that data. You know, at Dr. Crono, we're processing billions of medical claims a year. So the ability to look at all of that data and build machine learning algorithms to replace a lot of human effort, I think it's it's just starting to be there where, you know, ten years ago that data wasn't digitized. So, you know, it would be incredibly hard, you know, to, there was just a basic workflow of moving paper around and, you know, having a massive global workforce, you know, pushing paper. But now I think that there's still this global workforce, but their, their work is, is moved majority to digital and the ability to, you know, kind of train systems to try and give a much bigger lever for every person you have, um, whether they're, they're in, you know, Um, Atlanta, Georgia, or they're in Chennai, India, give them a much bigger lever where they could do a lot more work with their digital tools. But there's also going to be the ability to automate a lot of their work. And, you know, um, and I think it'll come in phases. And and I think we're, we're just starting to see some of the first waves of, of tools that will take advantage of it. And, and, you know, as I said, healthcare may be really resistant. I was talking with someone who was looking to, um, digitize paper EOBs. Um, which are the explanation of benefits that all patients receive when, whenever you go to a doctor and, um, you know, you get a piece of mail a month later that says, Oh, Hey, the doctor wanted to charge you 300. We got you a $200 discount and we paid 80. So you just owe him $20 <laughs> and yeah. you know, every every yeah. consumer with insurance has gotten that the doctor gets that same piece of paper, except with a check attached and, um, you know someone was asking me hey is there a growing market is there a good market and I said yes we have a huge need for that today we we have people there's no like magic bullets that just automates all of them they're very regional every insurance company every Medicare in every state their forms look a little different do so you need different algorithms to digitize them you know and I would like to say being at the spearhead and, and the forefront of moving things fully digital that I was like you know Scanning in these UOBs is kind of a, you know, hey, that, that would have made sense 10 years ago. But now, you know, that everything's going digital. But I think stubbornly, it, it's still, you probably still have another 10-year window where that technology will be incredibly valuable because we're in this transition. And, and such paper workflows will be very stubborn and stick around, I, I think, for, for decades. And and I think the market is slowly moving away from them. But similar how on the doctor side, there were doctors like, hey, I'm just going to retire if, you know, you make me use an EHR and I, and I can't just, you know, interact with patients <laughs> where I'm used to, I think there's, you know, for every doctor, there's at least 10 other non-healthcare people working in the billing, you know, the billing and insurance side. You know, there's, there's a huge lever of, of this bureaucracy that's kind of making the money flow in healthcare today. And, and I think they're, they're, you know, they're resistant to change. And um, I don't think they have the same power doctors do. Um, but there's certainly just an inertia there, where you know, as I said, a lot of this labor was outsourced overseas to India, to other places. Even in the U.S., it's, it's often outsourced um, to places where, where labor is less expensive. You know, there's huge back offices in Atlanta, Georgia. Other, you know, just other places where it's, it's less expensive to live, and and all you know, nationwide insurance carriers have their back offices in lower cost areas, which makes a lot of sense, and. You know, I, I think there will be this slow transition. So, that, so I think, you know, for sure, I, I think it's easy for the public and the news media is very caught up on the automation of clinical workflows for providers. And, and I think there's a place for that. And, and we're seeing a lot of progress on those tools. But I think a little more under the surface, the insider view is that this automation, you know, I think there's at least a 10x kind of um, to to tail ratio you know the tooth being the doctors and nurses and caregivers who are giving care and there's probably 10x of bureaucracy backing them up who are kind of not even interacting with patients you don't know they're there but they're creating tremendous cost in the health system so i think we're going to see that ratio decline and you're going to just have a lot more efficiency in back offices and you know the, the eventual end goal would be like hey i think that would change insurance companies dramatically and it would change the way clinics and hospitals think about charging for health care where it, you know, there'd be a lot more, trans- the, the real long-term end goal would be that there'd be a lot more transparency. You'd be able to know what all medical procedures cost <laughs> before you get them and, and be able to pay for them and, and kind of know what the costs are. And that and that's a tremendous challenge today. It's, it's a very, you know, we, there's amazing healthcare in the U.S. It, it works. In, you know, I wouldn't say healthcare is broken in the U.S. I think that's a common entrepreneur pitch. Healthcare is amazing in the U.S. if, if you have good insurance and can afford it, you're going to get amazing world-class healthcare, um, but just the complexity and the cost. And you know, as as I think, as our country looks at, to giving that level of healthcare to everyone, and and not just you know um, the people fortunate enough to have being a good, you know, commercial group plan. Um, you know, I I think we'll need tremendous efficiencies, and 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 we'll need more caregivers, and and we'll need them to be more efficient so they can see more patients. But you know, that bureaucracy, that that 10x lever of, you know, kind of back office people um, across the industry doing doing work that's kind of beneath the surface, be, you know, in the back office where patients and, you know, maybe the doctors don't even see what's going on there. I think that automation could ultimately be more meaningful um, for lowering costs and giving that transparency. And, and I think that's one where, you know, I don't think a lot of people talk about and it, it may even be slower coming than a lot of the clinical innovation. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, no, Michael, this is great. Um, I, I really appreciate um, you articulating, you know, all these different macro pieces and, you know, tactics coming together, but, you know, absolutely the compoundness of all these factors definitely seem like they're paving a way for the future that you're, you're citing here. And I, I totally agree, you know, you're bringing a really interesting leadership mindset and innovation mindset to an industry that has been uh, stale in its workflows for a while, and, and been in need of drastic updating of of, uh, of modern workflows, like what you're what you're doing, Dr. Crono. And um, Michael, this has been really great. Love to have you back on the show to talk a, a little bit more deeper on some different topics, like we're we're talking about. Love to hear more about you know the, the partner ecosystem and and such. But. Um, Michael, what would be a good way for our listeners to get a hold of you if they would like to to do so and if you would like to for our listeners to get a
1: hold of you? So. Sure. Um, you know, I, I would say first if if there's someone who's interested in, you know, potentially working with Dr. Crano, if if they're entrepreneurs and innovators in healthcare, um, they can just go to Dr. Crano and, and sign up for, for an account for a free trial. They could go to drcrano.com slash API and you know, take a look at our public API. You, you don't have to sign an NDA and wait six months to see our API. You can go get a free account and, and start building against the API immediately and and just kind of see what our system's capable of. Um, so I think that's a great way for anyone who, who's a potential innovator in healthcare to work with us. And and we have a growing team beyond myself that's just focused on working with those partners and building an ecosystem and, and answering their questions and helping them build their product and go live. Um, so that's a great way for people to engage with Dr. Crano as a company, if, if they're innovators. Um, and, and for me personally, I try and be really responsive, especially to that same group of people. If, if there's entrepreneurs, innovators in healthcare, if, you know, potential customers, <laughs> um, but, but really anyone who's, who's working in healthcare, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or um, I, I will give my email out. You could email me at CEO at drcrono.com. And um, I try and be really good at email to, to respond to people and, and get people in touch with the right people. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to engage with, um, you know, people who care about healthcare, people who are looking to innovate or, or just people who wanna chat, um, you know, if I have bandwidth.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Michael, this has been phenomenal and this has been great. Um, and so love to have you back. Really appreciate you sharing, you know, the broad spectrum of, of healthcare, you know, take us back to your story. And then how it's translating into how you're transforming it. So it's pretty powerful what you guys are doing. I'm a a big fan, obviously. Um, To our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone with a strong passion for making other people healthier in this world. Michael, again, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.